the good, good Father. It's who He is. And just as important as that is to know, it's also important to know that we are loved by that good, good Father. For those that may be guests or visitors or even those that have been attending for some time and have always wondered who's that guy that comes up at the end of the prayer time, um, my name's Tom Lemler. I direct Impact Prayer Ministry in one of my roles. It's the role that I'm here in this morning. Um, and uh, the bulletin says David was going to be here, and that was originally the plan. Uh, but if you could keep David, uh, particularly his mom and, and uh, his mom's friend Jerry's family in your prayers, um, Jerry, we've been praying for, and uh, has not improved, and with discussions with the families uh, and doctors and things, if there is no change over the weekend, they're going to remove life support tomorrow morning, and uh, Dave just really felt he needed to be there for his mom and for the family in Cincinnati, and so that's where he's at, and uh, again, I'm sure he would appreciate your prayers uh, for Jerry uh, and, and Jerry's family and for uh, Dave's mom as they go through this together. Um, and uh, so that, anyhow, that's, that's why I'm here. But aside from that, I always consider it a privilege when I have the opportunity to preach God's word. And, and doubly so when I have that opportunity to do so here in my home church. And this morning as I as all of this unfolded, and, and I originally thought I was going to bring a message that I had shared at another church earlier in the year, and uh, that it would come together well, and it, it really wouldn't be that much uh, extra effort. But as I worked with that, as I spent time with get that, um, God kept bringing me back to something that I had already worked on for this week in your prayer guide. And uh, kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but if you have a bulletin, that prayer guide that we're going to be praying about this week is about better things. And, and it kind of takes off from this story of Mary and Martha and, and this tension that's taking place because, well, there seems to be an unfairness, at least in the mind of one of these ladies. And yet in the response of Jesus is that the one has chosen better things. And that cannot be taken away. As I thought about that, I, I think about the way we evaluate things. Uh, some time ago, I needed to purchase a new garage door opener. And I went to the local big box home improvement store, and they had these series of garage door openers, and this one says, good. This one says better, and this one says best. And I think, well, okay, so what's the difference other than one's good, one's better, and one's best? Well, you look under that, the difference is this one costs so much, this one costs so much more, and this one costs even so much more. And I think so many times in our life we settle for good or better rather than best because best is going to cost us too much. But it's not just true with garage door openers. I think if I remember right, I bought the better. Um, I wasn't going to spend the extra money for the best. 
But not just in our physical life, I think in our spiritual life, so many times we settle for good or better when God has something that's best for us to claim. And so I've titled the message this morning, Praying for the Best. Because I think as we consider our time with God, we ought to consider what does he consider to be best for me. And then whatever that costs, if God says it's best, then I ought to consider it to be worth it. If God says this is best, why would I settle for something less? No matter what it costs. So this morning we're going to look at a variety of scriptures as we look at several things that if we get them from God, we get the very best. If we receive them, if we get them from any other source, we're settling for something that's less than what is best. I want to begin, as I think about this, um, and it really came out of my study for the prayer guide on better things. And it came out of uh, uh, Philippians chapter 1. And it's a prayer of Paul for the Philippians, and I believe for you and I as well. In Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9, he says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to, catch this, you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I would guess that this morning as we gather here, that every person in this room really wants what is best. The tension comes, and how do I know? And what happens when good enough isn't good enough? As we pursue a life with Christ, I believe we're going to discover that when our good enough is our very best, that it is good enough. And so this is, in a way, is a complicated thing to talk about is we're not perfect. Our best is going to always fall short of God's best. But when we pursue God, when we seek God, He turns our good enough into the very best when we give it our all. So this morning, we're going to use that best, word best. If you're familiar with my preaching, uh, that's typically how I do it. One of these words is the outline. And the word best is going to give us four things that if we seek from God, will be the very best that we can have. The first one of those things is when we seek God, we receive the best benefits. In this passage I just read, he says that um, out of this Seeking God, we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. I think what, what better benefits can there be in our life than to have discernment and to have purity? God says that his word is designed to benefit you and I. In uh, Psalm chapter uh, 103, and we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today, uh, as we gather what God says. 
the uh, first, uh, actually verses 2 through 5, the psalmist David writes and he says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he goes, okay, so what benefits should I not forget? Well, he goes on, he says, Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I think, well, that's a pretty good list of benefits there. And if we seek God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, he says, I will give you the very best benefits. I can't think of a better benefit that we receive from Christ than that opening one in this psalm that says he forgives our sin. You see, it's that benefit of forgiveness of sin that leads us into a life that lasts for eternity with Jesus Christ. There are many things in this world and in our culture, we, we use this term benefit, and, and there was a time where a benefit was kind of something extra. And we, we used it in the corporate and work world as something that a, a company would give in addition to what you had earned. We've kind of moved to a place in our society where the benefits all become wrapped into this package that we think we earn. But in God's view, these benefits are things that are completely unearned. They're things that are given to us by His grace and His favor. We do not earn the forgiveness of our sin. We do not earn the healing of our soul. We do not earn peace with God. You see, these very best benefits are benefits that God has graciously showered upon us as His children because of His love for us. Over in Romans chapter 6. Uh, verse 22. says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. You see, as we pursue God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, we have the very best benefit. A life that's holy, that's suitable for God's exclusive use. A life that does not end regardless of how long this physical body lasts. See, as we pray for the very best, we pray for the very best benefits because those benefits that are the best come from God. But not only do we pray for the very best benefits, we look to God for the very best equipment. If we want to be good at something, it's typically wise to have the very best equipment that we can. I grew up on a farm, and we didn't have a whole lot, and so a lot of what we did was of the make-do variety. Whatever you could find, whatever you could scrounge up in the tool shed, whatever you could, could get your hands on, you simply made do with it. And that works to a, a certain extent. I tell people, and it's, it's been fascinating, my, my dad was, could build just about anything with a chainsaw and a sledgehammer. And then when I, I got married and my father-in-law is this fine carpenter that makes everything just look perfect, I realized there's a difference between having the best equipment and having equipment that'll work. And so many times we, we, we look, run through life with the, the sledgehammer and chainsaw mentality when God says, I have better equipment for you. 
You could be doing so much more if you would use the things that I've equipped you with rather than rely on what you know. In Ephesians chapter 6, probably a familiar passage to many of you, Uh, in uh, verses 10 through 13, it's the introduction to the the whole armor of God uh, passage and, and teaching. But Paul writes and he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. You see, in the passage I read earlier in Philippians, this idea of praying for our best, God says, I'll give you the very best equipment. At the very heart of that best equipment is this practice of prayer that he's put in our life. This ability to communicate with him and and to spend time with him in his word and listen to his spirit as he speaks. And as you go through this armor of God, there's, there's many pieces that protect us. But at the beginning of this teaching and at the end of it, he he emphasizes the need to be spending time in prayer. You see, the very best equipment that we can have to fight the spiritual battle that we're in is that relationship with God. And we grow in that relationship with God when we spend time with Him in prayer and as we spend time with Him in His Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 talks a little bit about that. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to live your spiritual life with the very best equipment, God says, spend time with him in his word. He says, it's all useful, it's all productive, it's all things that are applicable to what we go through on a day-to-day basis. You know, as we seek the very best, we seek the very best benefits and God provides them. We seek the very best equipment to live life as we ought to and God says, I've provided that for you also. But we also seek the very best strategy. How in the world do we go about doing the things that God wants us to do? You see, so many times, again, back to... um, Growing up on the farm, I could figure out just about anything if I spent enough time at it. But the results sometimes took longer or they weren't as productive as what they could have been. And there were things that I would just spend hours and hours trying to figure out and finally get to where I could do it somewhat well. And then someone would come along and instruct me on the secrets Somebody with experience, somebody had been doing it their whole life. And I would realize that what took me hours I could have had done in 10 minutes if I had just had a better strategy. And so many times we struggle with representing Jesus well because 
we're so caught up in not knowing how to do it. As I think about that in the passage in Philippians I started with, he talks about that strategy of love. How do we figure out what's best? Well, he says we do this through a perfect love that comes from God, that, that abounds in knowledge and truth. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As I read that, and as I constantly remind myself of that over the years, it's, it's a reminder that if I want the very best strategy, it has to be something that comes from God rather than from me. I know a lot of, I think, very wise people. And people that are filled with ideas and plans and ways to make them happen. But I also know some very wise people that have struggled mightily over the years trying to make their plans happen when it hasn't been God's plan. As I consider the very best strategy, I believe the very best strategy that God gives us is to spend time with Him and figure out that His ways are indeed higher than my ways. That His thoughts are indeed higher than my thoughts. And so many times it's, it's easy for me to go to God in prayer having already planned out what I want to do and ask God to make it happen. Well, that's not a, really a very good strategy. God says, I have a better strategy, but for in order for you to accomplish it, you have to empty yourself of self and fill yourself with me. And as we do that, we begin to recognize that God, through his word, his spirit, through his people, fills us with a strategy, with a plan of action, with a course for a life that is better than anything we could have dreamed of. I look back over my life and, and the lives of so many people I know, and, and I think many of you would say the same thing. I never thought I would be here doing what I'm doing. But I allowed God to equip me, to, to benefit me, to use me in ways however he wanted. And you see, when we step back and say, God, I'm yours completely, then that opens us up to, to do whatever he calls us to do. And it's in that strategy, it's in the strategy of being fully committed and surrendered to God that he begins to, begins to work through our life and to transform the people around us through his spirit. You see, we're limited, I'm limited at least, in, in what I can accomplish. I, I'm not really able to convince people of a whole lot. But when I empty my thoughts and my ideas and say, God, you're in charge. His word and his spirit are able to convict and change lives. And he uses you people like you and me to do that. Also in Psalm 119, uh, verse 1, it says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. As we consider this very best strategy for life, we look to God's ways, but we also look to live a blameless life. 
it's interesting as, as you read that uh, and you recognize that none of us are perfect. And he doesn't say here to lead a perfect life. He talks about leading a life without blame. And so many times as we look to God, we, we somehow compare him to our world system. In our world system, if we do something wrong, it seems like for the rest of our life, somebody's going to blame us. It doesn't matter what we do to make up for it. It doesn't matter how much we apologize. It doesn't seem to matter how we try to overcome that. There seems like somebody always shows up out of the word work and says, ah, you're the guy that did that. But that's not the way God works. God says when we come to him, when we confess our sins, when, when we have our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, he says he removes those sins from us and from him as far as the east is from the west. See, the way to live a blameless life, the way to have this, this best strategy is to have God, through his son Jesus, cleanse us completely. And it's living that cleansed life that leads us to the best strategy that we could have. And it's that strategy of love. In the very popular quote, love chapter in, in Corinthians, begins with the line that says, and now let me teach you the most excellent way. You want to know the best strategy, the best way? God says the best way is love. And we find that love. We know what love is because of his son, Jesus Christ. So not only as we seek the best, as we pray for the best, we seek the best benefits from God, we seek the best equipment from God, we seek the best strategy from God, but we also seek the best testimony from God. Back in that Philippians passage, uh, it ends with that idea that all of this is in order to bring glory and praise to God. You see, when we seek the best from God and we live our best for God, we find that he gives us the very best testimony. And it really doesn't matter what your background is, what it has been, what it will be. Your testimony is your testimony it's a message of what God has done in your life. And so many times we, we, we look at stories people tell and we think, wow, that's incredible. And somehow we judge that person that overcome addiction or that, that person that came out of a horrible life and somehow their testimony is so much greater. But the truth is, God says, the redemption that he brought, bought you from out of sin is just as great as whatever that story is that you think is so much better than yours. You see, there are people in your life and in your community and your neighborhood that need to hear your story. They, they may not need to hear the story of the drug addict that has been cleansed. They may need to hear yours. And as we spend time with God, we recognize that he indeed has given us the best testimony. Uh, first, first John chapter nine or chapter five, verse nine. John writes and he says, we accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is even greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Anyone who believes in the son has this testimony in his heart. But anyone who does not believe God has made him out, 
Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life, but he who does not have the son of God does not have life. You see, as we consider praying for the very best, we recognize that God indeed has given us the very best testimony. In this world that desperately needs hope, there is no greater hope than to know that we can live with God eternally. That no matter what happens, it's only temporary here on earth. And God says each one that has been called into Christ has that very best testimony as a part of your life. It doesn't have to rely on someone else. It doesn't have to rely on the preacher. It doesn't have to rely on the elders. It doesn't have to rely on whoever. As you pray for the best, God says, I've already given you the best. I've redeemed you. I've bought bought you back out of sin. Also in John chapter 4, we looked at this a few weeks ago, the, the story of the woman at the well. But the very end of that story, uh, verses 39 through 42, verse 39 has just always just motivated me to be one that shares that story, that testimony, the very best that God has given me. Because it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And so they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. As I think about praying for the best and praying for the best testimony, I think it's an important question to ask, what does my testimony say about Jesus? Who believes in Jesus because of what they've seen or heard from me? You see, having the very best testimony only becomes the very best testimony if we share it. We can... Have God do incredible things in our life. He can transform us. He can change us. He can make us a new creation in Christ. But if nobody knows it, it really isn't a testimony. As God calls us to be his child, his disciple, a follower of Jesus, he says that you can pray for the best, but I've already given you the best. And that's my son. This morning, as we consider praying for the best in your life, a few questions I want to ask. When you consider the best benefits that come from God, what benefits do you settle for instead of seeking the very best? What benefits do you Clamor after when God says he has the best. 
Are there things in your life that if you were to be honest with yourself that you consider more desirable than what God has to offer? Well, I, I know we're sitting here this morning in a church and you would, you'd say, of course not. Look at your calendar. Look at your bank statement. Those are typically better indicators than my heart and my mind is as to what I consider is best. How about the equipment? Are you relying on your own ability, your own strength to overcome temptation? Or are you seeking the very best equipment by putting on the full armor of God every day to have that protection from the enemy? What ways, what strategies do you need to simply let go of so that you can hear from God the very best way? You know, sometimes when you surrender your plans, God comes back and multiplies those plans so many times that you begin, at least I begin to kick myself wondering, why didn't I surrender sooner? And finally, are you living fully surrendered to Jesus so that your testimony can be shared with the people around you? If not, this morning's a great time. You can choose to follow Jesus fully. You can choose to be immersed into Christ, to have your sins forgiven and washed away, to walk with Jesus and be a living testimony that the world needs to see. Many that are here this morning are already immersed believers in Christ. You already are living that life with Christ. So I'm not sure what decision that he's calling you to make, but I I say this often. Every time the word of God is preached, I believe he's calling every person that hears it to decide something. And maybe this morning he's calling you to decide to do something different about the benefit that he's put in your life. Maybe he's calling you to do something different about the equipment that he's provided for your protection. Perhaps he's calling you to do something different about the strategy that he wants you to do, to use, to live. But I really believe that whatever he's calling you to do in those three areas, that he calls each and every one of us daily to do the very best in sharing our testimony not just with our words, but with our life. You see, a a testimony is only as believable as the person sharing it. There are people that could give me advice about finances that I would never listen to because I've seen how they handled their finances. I would think, well, that's crazy. Uh, If somebody comes to me for advice on healthy eating, uh, I can give it to them, but they'd be kind of foolish to take it. I don't eat healthy. I don't really know a whole lot about it. But the testimony that we give about Jesus working in our life ought to be accurate and believable because he is working in our life. Whatever decision that God is calling you to make today, I pray that you make it, that you live life differently because of his word. If it's a decision that needs to be made publicly, you can do that in this, as we sing but it, for many it's, it'll be a decision that God is just calling you to do not just now but 
more importantly, he's calling you to do tomorrow morning and then the next morning and the morning after that. So as we stand and as we sing, would you turn your life, your best, over to God so that he can give you his best? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God that hears us and is not only wants the best for us, but has given us your best in Jesus. Father, may we be faithful in sharing that with others. In his name that I pray.